Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Dear ones, thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. My name is John Russell, and I serve as the host, sort of, and I'm here with my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman, and we are talking our way, Frank, as you recall, through some of the pivotal words in Scripture. And my friend, you have chosen a doozy today. <laughs> You've chosen the word, therefore. So I got to begin by asking, what were you thinking when you chose the word, therefore? Oh, that's a great question, John. And by the way, I just want to share that it's a pleasure to do this with you. It's fun to dive into Father's Word with the goal of helping everybody who listens, Lord willing, understand God better and understand themselves better. So thank you for doing this with me. Therefore, the reason I chose it, John, is a lot of the church, I think, in my opinion, focuses on our behavior rather than on the source and power of our behavior. We talk about what we're supposed to do without the foundation of what we're supposed to do. So I thought it would be fun to look at this very special word found, my goodness, what, over a thousand times yes. in the Bible? Therefore, because it's consequential. It's sequential, if we could say it. Here is what is truth. Therefore, now go live this way. And so I thought by doing this word, we could present to our listeners a basis, a reason, a foundation, dare we say, even a confidence for their being able to live different from how they used to live and from how the world lives. And the more I got into it, Frank, well, before I start that, I got to confess that when you suggested this, I said, what on earth? I know we've talked about this before, but <laughs> yeah. I thought, what on earth? And the first thought that came to my mind was, well, everybody knows what therefore means, right? Well, they do in English. But as I begin to look, biblical Greek is not quite so simple as a modern day American English. And mm. there is a mess of words, mm. both in Hebrew and in Greek, that are translated therefore, at least English translations are therefore. What came to mind was in our upcoming devotional, Sun by God Daily, you wrote an entry that talked about the different Greek words for love and life. And you made a very strong point there that the Koine Greek, the biblical Greek, was so extremely specific that even though the English word is common, the Greek word behind it is very, very informative. Tell us just a brief snapshot of what you're talked about in that devotional. Oh, certainly, John. God's very specific. He's a father to his children. He's a creator to his creation. And so he wants to be known and he wants us to know him and he wants to love and he wants us to know his love. 
So it's all about intimacy. It's all about relationship. And so he wrote a Bible and he put it down in printed ink. And that is so important because the written word preserves thought and meaning. It's written in stone, if you will, only written on papyrus and in vellum in the original writings. So what happens is, like in English, we have a word love, and it's very generic. And I could say, I love my dog, and I love ice cream, but then I could turn around and say, I love my wife. Well, I just said, I love my wife, like I love ice cream and my dog. We need more specific language and understanding when it comes to the things of God and to the things of man. We're very complex creatures and we live in a very complex world. And so we need specificity. And so God wrote in a language known as the Koine Greek. And in the Greek, for example, there's four different words for love. Storge, a family love, phileo, a brotherly love, eros or erao, a passionate romantic love. And then there was this unique unused word that the Holy Spirit took and used for the love of God, unconditional love, the word known as agape. There's two Greek words for life. There's bios, from which we get biography, life as we live it. I got up in the morning, I had some cereal, my bios. But then there's a Greek word zoe, which is life as God lives it. And God, here's the amazing thing in the koine, he put his Zoe life in us so that his Zoe life gets lived through our bios life. It's amazing. And if we can just do one more, John, in that devotional, there's two Greek words for knowledge. There's oida and gnosko. Oida just means to know the facts, to learn the truth, and to get it in our brain, for example. And so I could say, I know oida, Abraham Lincoln. I studied all about him but I don't know him. That would be the Greek word gnosko. And it's the knowledge of experience, the knowledge of relationship. And so that opens up a tremendous meaning for us. Paul said, I press on that I might know God, not oida, know about him, but gnosko, I want to experience him. And that becomes the great word of the New Testament for the knowledge of God is that what we know about him gets transformed in our lives by knowing him. So Greek words. So therefore, John, help us out with all those oh, Greek words. Oh, yeah. Well, we're not <laughs> going to spend time going through a lexicon of all the different Greek words that are translated as therefore and wherefore. But I do want to mention one before we dive into the heart of our conversation. This one is dio, the Greek word dio. And it's mentioned over 60 times in the New Testament. But it simply means, Frank, consequently, a cause and effect relationship. And we see this in Matthew 27, when Judas has a change of heart, decides he doesn't want the silver that he took to betray Jesus, takes it back to the priest. They refuse it. And so they use it to buy a field to bury travelers in. And the verse says, therefore, they called it the field of blood. So you see that a lot. Cause effect. Mm -hmm. I jump off the roof. Therefore, I broke my leg. That sort of mm -hmm. thing. But where yeah. I want to spend our time today, Frank, and the next episode is in a different Greek word, the most common one. And this is the word un. 
And this is not cause effect, Frank. It means accordingly. Or if I can say it this way, because something is true, then these other things also are true. And as I thought about it, Frank, and I read all the different translations from all the different resources, I've determined that it's kind of a word of foundation, mm-hmm. a word of connection, <laughs> and it connects things together that belong together. For example, mm-hmm. if A is equal to B and B is equal to C, then A is equal to C, whatever that branch of math is, I've forgotten mm-hmm. all that. <laughs> it's like this, because if A is true, then B has to be true too, because mm-hmm. B is directly linked to A. So that's the picture that we're going to be talking about because something's Mm. true then all these other things that follow are true too and frank there is no better place to unpack these than saint paul's epistle to the romans Mm. and so over the next couple episodes my friend i can cherry pick the verses where this occurs and uh, we're going to start unpacking these and see what therefore means in the context the first is from Romans 5. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to start in. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Now, I want to quote a mentor of mine, probably of yours as well, Dr. J. Vernon McGee. (laughs) And he said, whenever you see the word therefore in scripture, you need to stop and see what it's there for. That's horrible grammar, (laughs) but it's great (laughs) advice. So Romans 5, Frank, it follows Romans 4. So to understand the therefore in Romans 5, we've got to understand what happens in Romans 4. So unpack for us what's going on in Romans 4. Oh, well, John, I got to tell you, I didn't know until a few minutes ago we were doing Romans, but I would say you were spirit led. I have been telling the body of Christ for years that all scriptures inspired of God, 2 Timothy 3.16, none of it more important than the other passages of scripture. However, if there was a most important book, (laughs) in my opinion, it'd be the book of Romans. Paul wanted to get to Rome. It was the capital of the Roman Empire. What better place to bring the gospel? He couldn't get there. For some reason, the Holy Spirit kept blocking him. And maybe it was so that he would sit down and write to them and we would have in print basically Paul's understanding of a quote-unquote systematic theology. Here's what Christianity is all about. And so it began in Romans 1 that God is the creator, but man rebelled against God. He didn't want to honor God, so he bought the lie in Genesis that he could become as God. And all men are guilty in Adam. All men are condemned in Adam. All men are sinners in Adam. He became a sinner Everybody else was born that way. So in Romans 2, he says all the Gentiles are guilty. All the Jews are guilty. Then you get to chapter 3, all men are guilty. Well, then what are we going to do about it? He says, well, hang in there. Because at the end of chapter 3, the grace of God is revealed. The righteousness of God made available through faith in Jesus Christ, 
who became the wrath-averting sacrifice, propitiation for all men. Well, then we're saved by faith. That brings us into chapter four, because God tells us all about Abraham and how Abraham was justified by faith. He was justified by faith way back in Genesis 15, 6. And any Bible student will know that was long before the law ever came in through Moses. So by writing the way he did, Paul made it very clear. Abraham was made righteous before the law ever showed up, independent of the law. So no man, no woman is ever going to be made righteous by following the law. You're not going to get there. You're going to get there by letting the law do what it does, which is kill and condemn you and drive you to faith in God as your one and only redeemer, which is, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ who was sent to die for our sins. Therefore, follow Abraham, who is the father of faith, the means to righteousness, because it's not faith that saves us but it's faith that connects us to the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And as you're talking, Frank, I'm thinking when you read through the first three chapters of Romans and you get to Romans chapter four, it seems like the faith of Abraham would be this hugely monumental decision. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But when you read it, God says, hey, I'm going to make a nation of you. I'm going to give you a son through whom all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And Abraham believed God. That's it. And so this little tiny phrase. And so it's almost as if that belief, Frank, is like a little tiny lever that unpacks a treasure chest from our father. It seems almost inconsequential that we would believe, but our father puts so much weight on that choice that we would make to believe and trust in, that he blesses us beyond description. I mean, when you look at... (laughs) You look at the way Abraham lived, the choices mm. that he made, the fumbles that he had. Romans 4 says he hadn't sinned. You know, God looked at him <laughs> and said he hadn't sinned. You and I talked about this before. God, did you remember writing Genesis? You know, yeah. when you wrote all those things about Abraham? But here you say it's like he never even sinned because that trust in his father, that belief just basically changed all the ground rules between Abraham and God. It Mm. made them friends, Frank. Wow, that's pretty phenomenal that this belief would have such an impact, wouldn't it? Yeah, John, if we think about it, if God loves us and God wants to save us from ourselves and save us from our sin, and that's his greatest desire, and it says in scripture, he's not willing that any should perish, why would he make it difficult? And, you know, some people might look at this, well, that's one isolated passage. No, no. In the Gospel of John, there's a fascinating insight there. Jesus said, when the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw men to himself. And he makes the same reference in John 3. And the account there, John, was the book of Numbers. And you remember the in the wilderness wanderings, the people were grumbling. Uh, God sent snakes as a discipline. The snakes would bite them. They would die. And they cried out to God and said, what can we do? And, and God told Moses, make a little nehushtan, a little brass image of a snake, and put it up on a pole so everybody can see it. 
And if anybody gets bit by one of those snakes, what does he say? Well, walk on your knees for a hundred yards and offer a, a pound of gold to God. No, it's not what it says. He says, just look at that snake up on that pole. Just look. John, I call it the glance of faith. He didn't make it hard to be redeemed. It's take a glance, trust God, and that's all that is required. I think of the Philippian jailer. Remember that? Oh, yes. And uh, Paul and Silas thrown in prison, and there's a mighty earthquake as God delivered them. The prison doors were open. The Philippian jailer, he's like out of his mind because if one prisoner escapes, the Roman law is he's a dead man. And Paul yells out, don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. And boy, that jailer ran down in that dungeon and said, what have I got to do to be saved? And you know, if ever the Holy Spirit wanted to say, we have to do something, it was there. And out of Paul's mouth came, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's so, amazing, so cool. And that opens the door to a treasure chest from our father. He makes us righteous. We receive his love. It's, we have peace with God, peace with each other. It just goes on and on. If we can take one more glance back to Romans 5, we believe in him. So all the blessings that Abraham has are now us. So here we go now. Therefore, Romans 5, this is the link. This is the wall that's built because of therefore. We believe that's truth A. As a result, we have peace with God. Well, that's following truth B. We have access to grace, that's truth C. We stand, that's truth D. We rejoice in hope, that's truth E. And now it's possible for us to even glory in tribulation, truth F. And so you have almost like a foundation stone and six sturdy blocks built on top. Mm. Or if you want to look at it, six different links in a chain that are welded together. You have mm. one, you have them all. This changes the way we look at our lives, Frank, when we realize that not only do we believe God, but because of that, therefore, all these other things were put on our account as well. And we're mm. equipped to do them all. I mean, who would have thought, Frank, that we would be able to glory in tribulation? But that's just as much of a link in the chain as having peace with God and access to grace. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's because we've been restored to God, which now means he can be all that he is to whatever we need as we walk in faith. And, you know, John, I love it. It's therefore, the idea is as it was for Abraham, so it is for us. And then if we'll have faith as he had faith, I love what he puts it, having been justified. It's all past tense. We're not looking for any more of God. We've got him all. We're not looking for any more strength. We've already got his strength. We're not looking for any more hope. Uh, we already have the confidence we need. We're not looking for any more life. We have his very life. This changes the way we pray. Uh, we don't have to pray for strength. <laughs> we just need to believe we have it. This is going to ruin a lot of pastor sermons. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed it is, because you got one. You know, when you say Jesus, you said it all, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've got a few more minutes. Let's hit another one, Frank. Okay. Uh, Romans chapter six. This whole section 
deals with how we view the sins that we commit. And I want to read from Romans 6, verses 3 and 4, because this is where the key word, therefore, is located. Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized or identified into his death? Forget about the idea of water. And here's the key word, verse 4, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So Frank, I see that same chain again, based on therefore. We're identified with Jesus, truth A. We're buried with him, the next truth. We walk in newness of life, the next truth. These are all bundled together. Again, Frank, a transformation occurs after the word therefore doesn't it mm, yes that's wonderful john and you know this is all flowing out of the previous section therefore what is the therefore therefore that's right. and, you know back in chapter five the context we have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness and the grace is so overwhelming the grace of god you don't have to be afraid that sin is going to get you kicked out of the kingdom or that sin, God is not going to fellowship with you anymore. You know, there's a lie told in church, John, that when we sin, we're out of fellowship with God. Oh, we may be out of part. We can never be out of partnership with him, which is what that Greek word means. We can grieve him, but his face is always towards us. His arms are always around us. We can never be out of fellowship with God. We might be walking in different steps, but I got a friend of mine says, when you backslide, he's backsliding with you. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. Well, then if that's true, Romans 5, should we sin so we can get more grace? And that's when Paul presents this marvelous truth. Oh, no, you don't understand. When yeah. you put faith in Christ, you died with him. Therefore, you were buried. Well, that's what you do with dead people, John. You bury him. And that occurred so that, purpose clause, just as Jesus was resurrected, we have been, past tense, resurrected. John, this changes everything for us. Jesus changed our relationship to everything in this world. I don't have to fight against sin. I have to realize I've already died to it. This is not a power struggle. It's a truth issue. I am dead to pride. I'm dead to gossip. Why then would I walk in it? Then we've tapped into the very life of God. We have his resurrection life. So it's a both and. Not only are you dead to sin, but you're alive to righteousness. So these are facts. This is reality. So all God has to say now is, go live in reality. In fact, you know, people over the years, John, have asked me my definition of sin. And I simply tell them it's temporary insanity. You forgot who you are. And you forgot who God is to you. And it manifested itself in your behavior. That's all. That's right. Frank, I want to encourage our readers to not just stop right here in Romans chapter 6, because please read through the entire rest of the chapter. Mm -hmm. Frank and I could spend hours talking about this. Verse 5, 
we're united together in the likeness of his death. We're resurrected mm-hmm. by him. Our old man was crucified. Verse six, another truth that follows mm-hmm. the therefore. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're free from the power of sin. Frank, all this boils down to at the very end, verse 12, Paul says, therefore, yet one more therefore, <laughs> don't let sin reign in your mortal body because all these things are true. Then don't do this. Mm. You know, don't do this because as you said, it's insanity. Mm. to walk in sin when all these things about you are true. We're going to wrap up with that, my friend. Close us off. Well, you know, I would close, I think, John, this morning. This just popped in my brain with an illustration from a guy who used to teach the glory of the new covenant. His name was Bob George. And he said this. He said, for us to go back to sin, he says, let me give you a word picture. Let's say I'm driving down the road and I see this street person. We used to call them hobos or bums. Of course, that's not politically correct today. But he says, there's this guy and and I feel bad for him. So I pick him up. He's eaten out of the garbage can. That's what caught my attention. And the compassion, I don't want him eaten out of the garbage can. So I picked him up and I said, come on, come with me. And I take him down to an all-you-can-eat buffet. 100 items on the buffet. And he looks at this buffet, which is a picture of Christ to us. This is all the the blessings of God that are in Christ. And the hobo's eyes are wide in amazement at all that he sees. And he says, I can eat any of this. And I say to him, yes, you can. I'm going to pay it all. I'm going to pay the price. You can have whatever you want. And he turns and looks to me and he says, do you have any garbage? That's what going back to sin is when we have the treasure chest of all the blessings of heaven in Christ. John, there's no other better term than to call that temporary insanity. Yeah, I think you're right, my friend. Well, dear ones, thanks for joining us today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. Frank and I have been chatting through an unusual word, at least we thought at first, but it certainly has turned out to be rich indeed. The word therefore. Please, if you have enjoyed or been blessed by what you heard, check us out on our website, www.ourresolutehope.com. You'll find lots of resources there to help you. You'll find us also on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube. And as always, Frank and I close with this same reminder from Hebrews chapter six, that we have a hope. We are not hopeless in this world, no matter how we might feel. We have a hope. And that hope is not just a drifting hope. He's an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope. Paul calls it a blessing hope. You and I, Frank, we call it a resolute hope. So today and always, choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.